Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. Well, here we are again. Nearly back to a new sort of normal, but still recording by remote from the duvet den. Although things feel like they're beginning to get back to normal. For a start, the schools are back and some people are beginning to return to their offices. And the new season means new collections are beginning to drop too. Which is so exciting. Our sponsor, Neptune, has just launched its new autumn winter collection and there are some gorgeous new pieces i'm spying up a rather beautiful green sofa and i have to say across the new collection green is having a very very strong moment and there's a new paint color to their collection move over saffron this time it's olive green and i am here for that to see that and the new furniture and textiles collection visit neptune.com well The temperature seems to have dropped about 10 degrees recently, but there's still a bit of a summer glow about this episode. Not only do we have a few design tales to share from our summer travels, but our guest interview comes straight from the glamorous island of Ibiza. Yes, we'll be talking to Skin, singer, songwriter and DJ, best known for being the lead vocalist of the band Skunker Nancy. But what you maybe didn't know is that she actually studied interior design and is an interiors obsessive. We had a fascinating chat about how her distinct style translates from the world of rock into the world of cushions and paint. But before that, anyone who follows Kate on Instagram, that's mad about the house, by the way, will have been treated to some startling French hotels and stunning Italian converted olive mill, was it? Talk us through your design highlights of August. Well, you know what? It was our first holiday without the children in 20 years part of it was. And it was our 20th wedding anniversary. So we drove through France to get to Italy. We took our time and it was a bit of a sort of wedding anniversary road trip. So we stayed in a hotel on Lake Como on the way out, which was an amazing view of the lake, which I'd never been to. And then we rented this fantastic converted 15th century olive mill, which was, I did post that on Instagram. And uh, there was lots of consternation because I posted a picture of the kitchen sink, which yes, may I not sound that. This kitchen sink made of Carrara marble <laughs> uh, with a little skirt in front of it. And it was a. Uh, <laughs> 
Why can you have it in a kitchen and not a bathroom? What's the difference? I don't know. Do I'll tell you what. Well, maybe it was just seeing in that kitchen. Yes. It was lots of kind of marble and stone and vintage furniture. And actually, didn't we talk the other day about the new kitchen trend being for unfitted kitchens? Mm. And this was very much that kind of feel with, you know, just sort of vintage units put down and a big slab of kitchen sink and a curtain. It was just, it was heavenly. So it's all a bit higgledy-piggledy. Um, there were lots of different elements. And so the, yeah, and the, I little, the little curtain under the... Carrera marble basin. <laughs> yeah, quite I amazing. mean it was just really cool. And then on the way back, we stayed at this mad hotel called the Folly Deuce in Chamonix, which is a big skiing area. And I've seen the Folly Deuce bars when you're skiing and you go past them. There's loads of loud music blaring out onto the slopes. There's people dancing on the tables, and we were a bit like, oh, not sure if that's going to work for us in a in a hotel environment. Um, and there was a bit of dancing on the tables. There was a uh, Earth, oh, you Wind didn't put and that fire. on Instagram. I'd like to have seen no, that. You dancing there on the tables. An, there was an Earth, Wind and Fire tribute band. Um, there were people <laughs> walking on stilts. And we were like, oh my God, we're too old for this. But what was incredible was it was really soundproof. Um, so it's right under Mont Blanc. You could close your windows. You couldn't hear anything. You could just see the mountains. But my favourite bit, and you will have to refer back to my Instagram for this, was there was a pool which there was this carpet leading to the pool which was sort of woven with swimmers. It was, it was really graphic, isn't it? Like a very really graphic, graphic, sort of yeah. almost 1950s, 60s, I would say, graphic Print it was of a all bather. a bit Wes Anderson, which anybody who knows me knows that I love a bit of Wes Anderson. So, well, I was looking at your Instagram while I was in France, thinking it does all look really beautiful. But we we took off on famille. We drove as well, partly because you know with the COVID and everything, I didn't fancy flying. But also, my husband Tom, who's a passionate member of Extinction Rebellion, doesn't want to fly anymore. So this was our first driving holiday, and we drove to the Doydoin, and I have to say, I really enjoyed. The drive. I really enjoyed listening to music. Yeah, I loved it too. Taking in the views as we went. You know, it was a really nice part. It takes longer to get there for sure, but actually I arrived far more relaxed than if I'd been pushed around by EasyJet. So I can highly recommend a drive through Europe. Um, and then I didn't share anything actually on my Instagram because I didn't feel my followers needed to see the water parks of... Uh, <laughs> My nine-year-old Arthur, we had loads of fun, but it was uh, it was a lot of that. No beautiful Gigi hotels from me, I'm afraid, on this particular trip. Well, I tell you what, it was lovely. And now we're back. And, you know, I do definitely feel inspired by my travels. But ordinarily at this time of year, we'd be drawing inspiration from the trade shows and the trend reports. And obviously, it's all a bit different this year. Well, yeah, exactly. We can't get out and about to LDF and Decorex and Focus and all those great London shows that we'd usually be looking forward to. And of course, none of that is happening. So for our next topic, we wanted to delve a bit deeper into the business of trends. Are they dead forever? And is that perhaps a good thing? But before we get into that, which is, I think, a, a fascinating topic, there is one bit of news, which is the announcement of the Dulux Colour of the Year. Now, this is a hotly anticipated announcement every year. I am wrong every single year. I never get this right. And by the time you listen to this, it will have been announced. Now, we're recording slightly before that announcement. So we've had to sign non-disclosure agreements. We've agreed to embargoes. But we have the information. And are you ready for this? 
The colour is called Brave Ground. And, um, and it's Sophie, brown. it's a bit brown. <laughs> <laughs> You're loving it. Look at your Ooh, face. Well. I can see you see you via Zoom and your face. Oh, my God. Cheshire Cat doesn't even cover <laughs> <laughs> how particularly smug and thrilled you are at how much this is hurting me right now. But, yeah, the, the, the big colour for 2021 is, uh, is beige isn't it? Well, you can call it beige. I'm going to just read you here from the press release. It is a warm and grounding neutral shade that will enable people to draw on the strength of nature to help them find the courage to embrace the future. And we could do with a bit of that, even if it is brown. Yeah, no, for sure. To be honest, in terms of the meaning of colour, the psychology of colour, this is no big surprise. Any shade of brown is a deeply grounding colour. Like it's the colour of the earth, isn't it? It's literally the thing we plant our feet on that also, you know, nourishes growth and all those kinds of things. So yes, it's a very positive message. Well, one thing I will say, I'm always fascinated by the psychology behind it. And of course, you spoke in the last series to Marianne Schillingford, the creative director of Dulux. And I remember you asked her, you know, is that colour going to change because we've been locked in our homes for five months? And she said that the colour was a sort of reflection of of what's going on in the world at large. But she did send us through one quote, uh, which I think is, is really true. And she said, the colours on our walls are the backdrop to how we live our life. For many of us, lockdown has served to emphasise how important our home environment has become as it's been the place where we work and learn and relax. It can lift us up, nurture us and comfort us. And as we continue to live through uncertain times, in 2021, the warm and grounding tones of brave ground will allow us to find certainty in the strength from the ground beneath our feet. So, you know, it's a good place to start from. But don't worry, Sophie, because they, as ever, do a series of colour palettes to go around that. And Uh, I know that one of them is full of pinks and blues and greens. I'm I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm not. (laughs) Because you're just going to ignore it. No. Yes, of course I am. Of course I am. There's going to be no brown walls in my home, for goodness sake. continue with my electric blues and my bubblegum pinks and my neon and my canary yellows in my happy home because essentially it's really important that you find the colours that resonate with you. So I would say the headline coming out of lockdown, the headline coming out of this pandemic, the headline of moving forward into our homes have never been more important. They're the place that absolutely make us feel our best and build us up and push us back up into the world again is to find the colours that you you really love and for me it ain't brave ground and that's okay but it's not to say that that's not a great color for lots of people I think it could be a really good neutral it looks like a really good warm neutral but actually, you're gonna try you and get me on board us... with this now saying it goes nicely with pink and green but, and well it yeah and it does go nicely with pink and green and all sorts of pinks and greens but it does bring us back to our wider topic of whether trends are are irrelevant, whether the fact that we've been at home in lockdown for so many months, unable to see new trends, does that mean now that we don't need to know what the trends are or what the new colours are because we're much more confident about 
who we are in our own homes and our decorating choices. You know, the word I'm picking out from what you've just said is is confident. People have the confidence. Not everybody does, do they? And yeah. I think that's why they look to the magazines, the shop windows, um, the blogs, the trend forecasters to help them formulate what they think they should be doing. But it is everybody's, I think, on quite wobbly ground now as well because I know one of the things that's happened to me coming out of lockdown is it's really helped me slow down and reevaluate lots of my principles in life not just how my home feels but everything one of the positive things is it's made me take stock of a lot and I was somebody who traveled through life at 110 miles an hour and I think stopping and really working out what it is you love about your home is really important. And trends, in a way, I think, helped us fast track that. It's like, oh, this is in, I'll do that. That's in, yeah. I'll do that. And actually, by taking our foot off that very fast-paced, trend-forecasted pace, if you like, we all just slow down a little bit. Because let's not forget, and this is maybe a bit cynical, but I think a lot of trends forecasting is to help brands sell us more stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it? And I think to come back to the word confidence, I think we perhaps have got more confidence over time, or at least sometimes the starting point for working out what you like is really understanding what you don't like so that you can sort of rule out a whole load of that. But I kind of miss that walking down the high street and seeing, certainly in clothes shops, what's in the window. Because, you know, when it starts on the catwalk, it comes to the cushions. But that notion of you seeing lots of colours, the same sorts of colours in the high street windows. And we're not seeing that. You know, when you go onto a website to shop online, you don't get a sense of the overall colour. You know, you look for mugs or you look for blankets. You just get all the blankets. You don't get that well, colour coordinated It's the beautiful sense. curation, isn't it? It's the fact that somebody, yeah. a visual merchandiser, somebody highly skilled with colour palettes has put together these collections and even how they've put them on the rails or they've put them in their window displays or the shop display shows you how things work together. And at subliminally, we might not even realise it, but they're helping us put their collection of be it clothes or cushions it, it yeah. works for both together and if you're not getting out in the shops you know where are you looking however we know where we're looking it is all online and I think you highlight a really interesting point actually that a lot of interior design websites is just like here is a page of cut out mugs here's a page of cut out lamps here's a page of cut out sideboards and you don't quite get that room set setting yeah. that helps you put it all together and maybe that's where things need to move however oh. it all goes on on places like Instagram doesn't it well that's exactly it I wonder if that's where you know the trends will now come from whether would we call it a micro trend I mean you mentioned one didn't you well yeah of I was thinking about trends and where I get my because essentially we're talking inspiration for me the reason I get so excited about trends is like oh show me something new show me something yeah. exciting show me a reinvention because this is all it's all cyclical I mean you know brave ground from Dulux quite frankly I feel like that's very 1990s that whole sort of I mean Kelly Hoppen and her taupe she's going to be skipping around <laughs> the block um but what was interesting was looking at trends that I've seen emerge on Instagram so for example cottage call we talked about it in a recent Yes, podcast. it's suddenly massive, isn't it, that? And that's not come from trend forecasters. I don't that's, think so. That's no. been entirely generated sort of by the people for the people. Yeah, from a group of essentially young women, I think, yeah. um, just really loving this cottage core style, this very old-fashioned, nostalgic, chintzy country look. And it's become massive. 
So, you know, who's to say that we won't create our own little micro trends? Because essentially we're all just trying to inspire one another. And I get it, cottagecore might not be for everybody. I can't see you rocking the cottagecore anytime (laughs) soon. But it's all about finding that thing that resonates with you. And you think, oh, yeah, that's a little bit of me. I love that. And then just following your heart. And I've always said, and we've always said, both on our blogs and, and on the podcast, that, you know, you shouldn't slavishly follow trends. You do need to identify if that's a trend you want. But it's very often been a sort of starting point, hasn't it? And I feel that, you know, you could use a trend as a bit of guidance as a starting point and then adapt it to your own style. But if we don't have that starting point anymore, you know, if we don't have reports coming back from Maison and Milan and and, and LDF saying, you know, oh, this year it's all about curves, we have to look to ourselves and our own style and, and, you know, really work out what it is we like and adopt it. So I think it's good, maybe, if the trend is dead. Or if it, you know, I think there's, yes. Gosh, that's quite, that was quite a headline. The trend is dead. Um, But I'd say if it's not dead, it's definitely is it having Sla- a lie down? It's having a lie down. Gray. It's <laughs> slowing down, isn't it? And I think, you know, the, the, you know, I've talked about myself slowing down, but everything's slowing down. For example, I'm trying to get my house finished at the moment. I want to have it photographed. And there's just loads of unfinished bits and bobs and I need to source some lights and a sideboard. And what I'm realising is if I'm sourcing anything new, there's real production problems right now because during COVID and the lockdown, all the factories were closed and it's really hard to get hold of not just interior products, but also building products have been really affected. So we can't just get that sort of fast shopping fix. So what I'm doing, for example, is which I love to do anyway, but I'm having to do even more of it, is source vintage and secondhand pieces because they're there and I kind of need them now. I'm going to Arding Lye Antiques Market and I'm going to, I've got a, I've got a whole shopping list, pair of armchairs, a sideboard, some wall lights, a chandelier. <laughs> like I've got this huge Brilliant. list. And rather than just going so to my online places where I knew yeah, I would yeah. normally source that. So I think as well, this this end to fast fashion perhaps has been forced onto us because of the pandemic, but this also feeds into a more slow, organic way of decorating, a more sustainable way yeah. of decorating, which is going to still be a big trend, right? I can't see that conversation no, leaving and I mean, I the spotlight at the beginning soon. of the year about how, you know, the so-called brown furniture was coming back into fashion and becoming more popular again, and, and which is, you know, it's got to be a good thing. As you say, it's sustainable. You're saving it from landfill. You know, we've spoken before about how you can reupholster it or paint it or customise it or leave it as it is. So, yeah, in a way, maybe this is a good thing that's coming out. Maybe it will slow down or give fast fashion a bit of a punch in the face and we'll go back to... Yeah, more sustainable and looking for things we really want. And, you know, also investing in things we really want and we really want to keep them so there's not that kind of fast turnover. So, yeah, and also you can save so much money, can't you, by buying vintage pieces, which would arguably maybe allow you to save a bit more in the pot for a bespoke piece, be that from an artist or an artisan, a craftsperson, even your local carpenter. The point is, is you're having something made for you, which supersedes any trend. Absolutely right. Of course, trends 
or no trends, Kate and I remain broadcasting our own unique take on interiors. So do come and find us on Instagram, where I'm Sophie Robinson Interiors, and she is mad about the house. And of course, the Facebook group never ceases to inspire. Join the literally thousands of interiors obsessives chatting away on there at the Great Indoors Facebook group. Now, next up is my chat with Skin. Born to Jamaican parents who moved to the UK as part of the Windrush generation, she grew up in Brixton, where her granddad ran a basement nightclub and there was, she says, always music and rum. She would go on to sing Happy Birthday to Nelson Mandela and duet with Pavarotti in front of the Dalai Lama. Then in 1999, she became the first black female to headline Glastonbury. Her trademark shaven head and hugely distinctive aesthetic sense are well known. But perhaps less well known is that she studied interior architecture and computing at Teesside University in Middlesbrough, where she was as well the first black woman on her course. And that radical rock style has always carried over in her homes. She's just written a book called It Takes Blood and Guts, which is published on the 24th of September. And I spoke to her just this morning, me in the glamorous party hotspot of my bedroom in North London, and she, well, in Ibiza. In Ibiza, it's all about being outdoors. I mean, you spend, I would say, 80% of your daytime and your nighttime outdoors. So I have an old thinker here, which is like a British, I think you call it cottage in England. And it's very, very small. It's just three bedrooms, um, a big kind of lounge, open space kind of kitchen area. And then I have like about two or three big spaces outdoors. It's a tiny cottage and a lot of land. And I'm in the middle of the forest. Basically, um, it, this house has kind of got a bit of a two-tone feeling because um, at the moment, indoors, is I mean, this air-conditioned room, it's very modern. It's very kind of white and clean lines and simple furniture and everything. And then outside, it just looks like an old cottage like that belongs to like an 80-year-old. Because I like the idea of my house blending into the background and blending into the hill and the, and the countryside. But once you step through the door, it gets very high-tech. <laughs> so it's like yeah. a juxtaposition of two things. Well, you mentioned that in your book, actually, you how with your music, you often like a contrast between the sort of louder music and the perhaps softer sense of the lyrics or the poetry. And you yeah. talk about, you know, salt and sweet caramel. Um, so I did want to ask you, do you carry that sort of trend over into your interior design style? Um, absolutely. I mean, I think I have this feeling that you don't have to stick to one thing all of the time. You can actually be interested in different styles and different things at the same time. It's all about how you do it. So you can have a modern interior, but with a you know vintage kind of looking outside, as long as the kind of the way you pass through the spaces works quite well. I've kept all of the old features inside, so I haven't squared it off. I haven't squared off all the windows and squared off the doors. I haven't lost the old wooden beam. I've lost the floor because the terracotta floor tiles are lovely for outside, but inside I think it gets a little bit too ye olde. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of gone for furniture that is a bit indoors, outdoorsy, but 
not super hyper modern because I, I you know I don't want this I think in, in Ibiza there's a lot of places a lot of villas a lot of beautiful houses and it all can be a bit kind of like it's a bit too Miami I think I wanted to keep the authenticity of being in Ibiza and it being a cottage lifestyle and and not being making my house into like an interior of a disco or something like that um, I'm interested you talk about it being a cottage there's a a trend at the moment called cottage core which has its own hashtag, and it's a sort of maximalist and it's a little bit chintzy, I imagine, perhaps for you. But also there's another trend coming through from a couple of the black interior designers who are adapting it to what they call Jamaican nan cottage core and that is a style ah, which is again cool. quite there we go <laughs> quite maximalist so yeah. um, I'm thinking of no feature walls Laura who has a lot of William Morris prints and Kemi cottage noir and she brings in sort of lots of African prints and layers them and running through it is a sense of they would say they're Jamaican nan very house proud quite a lot of stuff and maximalism. And obviously, you must have had a Jamaican nan. I wonder if you have any influence from growing up that, you know, um, has influencing your interior know, design have, now. I, I love that kind of style, actually. I think it's really, really fun. I, um, for myself, have a little bit... More, I'm like second-generation British, so I think I've got a little bit of everything. So I'm not a maximalist at all. I kind of, like only have things there that are useful that are doing something that um, serve me visually or emotionally or functionally. But at the same time, um, one of the things I do like is my mum always had these mass-produced 1950s prints. So I actually sought out and found the dove with the two naked people standing underneath it because <laughs> that's just oh, really, wow. it's just so cliche and it's so over the top. Um, I also have some flying ducks because I just think it's hilarious. Flying ducks on the wall amongst all these <laughs> cool, white, minimal interiors. Talk to me about that. It's just the English in me. I just, it's just they're so British. It's just hilarious to walk into this high-tech, sophisticated interior and have flying ducks on the wall. They are original 1950s uh, first edition flying ducks. I actually had to research and go on the internet and found them on eBay. Uh, they just make me laugh. I just think it's very Arthur Scargill, very kind of Northern European, Middlesbrough Teesside flying ducks on the wall. I, it just makes me giggle and nobody else gets it but me and that's fine. <laughs> Fantastic. I love the sound of that. Might have to go on eBay later when we finish talking. <laughs> um, and I just want to come back to one more, your childhood home. When you moved to Tulse Hill and it was the first time you had your own bedroom. Um, and <laughs> you and I are exactly the same age, and oh, I had such a jolt of recognition. You wrote about having Piero wallpaper and curtains, and I remember that Bed Piero sheets, face so well. Exactly. And, and lampshades. Oh, it was horrendous. And I loved that period. Remember that period? It was great. And I, it wasn't until, like, my mum went out very kindly and bought all this stuff and we put it all together. And I looked around and it just looked like Pro just vomited around my room, like, you know, <laughs> like... The, the, and I, and I, I just, I, you know, there was no money to change it all. I couldn't suddenly turn to my mum and go, oh, I don't like it, let's do something else. I just had to live in it. Yeah, God, remember that. I went crazy for that. I think it was just my first time 
time I'd actually had any choice in what my environment was going to look like. And, and I went for this uniform one thing. And, and boy, do you really learn a lesson from that. I, I learned that lesson for the rest of my life because anytime I feel myself falling into just doing one thing, I'm like, no, remember Piero. <laughs> <laughs> And that, yes, it was quite a sort of mournful thing to be staring at you for three years as well. Um, You, again, mention in the book that you were friends with Alexander McQueen. You've worn a lot of his clothes. You're known for your very distinctive, fantastic sense of fashion. Do you see a link between how you dress and how you decorate? I think there's a really strong link about how I how I walk down the street and how I decorate because it's really about personality and feeling and character and really just making sure it's you and authentic. I mean, everyone always says they walk into one of my houses and they know, they know it's me, they know it's my house. And there's kind of things that I always buy. I always buy the same knives, for instance, and I always buy the same bins um, because I've, I, over you know, all this traveling, I see what works and I see what doesn't work. So, I mean, I think that clothes-wise, I like things to kind of be, make me feel good with a twist. So I like Comme des Garçons. I love McQueen because he did that. He's a wonderful designer. Um, I mean, something taking something beautiful and classic, but giving it a twist and giving it an inch and making it yours. I think I've always got to put my, my thing onto it, my weirdness on, into it. I wanted to talk also, you're, you're well known for your activism. And for you, actually, that started quite young. You worked in the home furnishings department of BHS, was one of your yes, first jobs. Yes, in Oxford Street. Um, yeah. In Oxford Street. And, and I believe you were already telling them that, you know, the political stance they should have been taking. Well, it was just really weird. I mean, I think at that point in time, it was a really kind of pivotal moment. It was really changing around the world. People were really get, beginning to understand what apartheid actually meant on a day-to-day level for, for black people in South Africa. And it really affected me. I just couldn't believe that people could behave like that in a very naive, very idealistic way. I mean, I was like 15 years old. Uh, and then I just, I, I also believe that maybe they just didn't understand or they didn't know that they were selling South African goods and what that meant. And if I just explained it to them or just, I just wouldn't ask them, then they would go, oh God, of course, yeah, you know, well, stop buying South African goods, you're so right. It's really awful what's happening to those black people in South Africa. I mean, I really thought, you know, and I naively went and talked to the manager and they all just looked at me. And so, yeah, that job didn't last much longer after that. I mean, I was definitely on the naughty list after that, you know. Um, They didn't stop selling South Africa. African goods, they just moved me to a different place where I didn't have to touch them. You know, uh, they made it about me being the one that they had to change, not changing their own behaviour, I realised as an adult. And that's what was happening. We've spoken on this podcast before about diversity. And one of the things that came through again and again was that if you don't see yourself, it's very difficult to put yourself into that career From your point of view, as the first black woman on your course, you were never going to see yourself. So would you have sort of advice for people coming through now about have the courage to go for it? even if you don't see yourself? And I mean, I think seeing myself was never my thing. I was never trying to see somebody else doing it. I was just doing stuff anyway. And that would always be my advice. And like, it's great if you see yourself, but if you don't see yourself, do it anyway. 
I think in some ways we need to go into areas where we're not seen and make ourselves seen. So I think it's wonderful to be an example and to be an inspiration, but it's also really important to be the one, the first one to do it and to forge ahead and do it anyway and not let the fact that you don't see yourself get in your way or not let other people think that you can't do something just because there's nobody like you has done it before. So you say in the book, Skin, that there was a point where you were sort of living out of suitcases um, in hotels for about three years. Is there now a sort of core element that means your home now? It's interesting. Um, Actually, that's a really good question because I think as a touring musician, you're always trying to make everywhere feel a little bit home. So you carry some items with you so that, okay, I'm in this hotel for four days. I'm going to take this out of my suitcase and that's going to be a little bit more homely to me. Um, And I think that there's part of myself that's kind of always living in the suitcase. So I think that for me, being feeling at home and having a house is a much more spiritual, emotional thing than it would be to most people because I tour so much and because I'm always, always, always travelling. I think that for the last part of my life, I had houses but not a home. I did actually start to question what's the difference between a house and a home. And I think the only place that really feels homely is actually my house in Ibiza because it's the only house I've I've owned for a long period of time. And it's the only place that I've really had the same things around me for a very long period of time. I have things in my house in Ibiza, like my knives. (laughs) I have a very beautiful set of very sharp knives. We cook a lot, me and my partner, we cook a hell of a lot. They're 20 years old and I've had them the whole time I've been here. Um, And so that feels much more homely to me than would be like a photograph of somebody I love or something like that because I don't really have many of those around the place. I read that, talking of suitcases, you were supposed to be going on tour in 2020. Um, yeah. What's the plan with that now? I think we're going to reschedule for next year. I mean, we were supposed to spend a lot of time touring, doing Glastonbury, playing with um, Grace Jones at Meltdown, um, a British tour, a European tour, um, and obviously all of that has shifted. So um, hopefully that's all going to happen next year. Fantastic. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Wow, what a truly inspirational woman. And I personally love her design philosophy that your home should make you laugh, give you joy and flying ducks on the wall. Absolutely brilliant. I'm off to Google some flying ducks. (laughs) (laughs) Look out for the madhouse walls. The ducks are coming. (laughs) Now, time for the star surgery. And we've had a question from Laura Roder, who left it on our Facebook page. She says, Hi all, I'm wondering if anyone here has done any online interior design classes. I was all registered for Abigail Ahern's in-person class in London, but of course it was cancelled. Sad face emoji. Honestly, interiors are such an in-person thing. I've never been keen to do a class online. But now that in-person seems cancelled forever, I think I'd like to try and give one a try. I'm looking to get better at decorating my own house. I find the trouble I have is visualising what will work together and figuring out what to add or subtract to a room to make it work. My rooms keep ending up looking kind of empty. 
or unfinished. Okay. Well, Sophie, Sophie Robinson, I wondered what attracted you to the question (laughs) about whether there were any online interior design courses. What I will say, what I will say is that there are a lot more now than there were a few months ago. I think that's really focused people's minds, hasn't it? So obviously, I mean, I think you might have done one. Should we just skate over that? One or two online courses, hugely popular. (laughs) brilliant, well thought out, fantastically executed online courses. Yeah, I might want to do. I can't believe it. Actually, I never looked at the comments. I hope somebody gave me a plug. I'm sure they will have done. But yes, I did. I launched my first online course uh, in June 2019. It was called Be Your Own Interior Designer. And actually, Laura, it was to answer your very question. I was seeing that I was getting so many DMs through Instagram and emails from people asking me, oh, my room feels a bit unfinished or empty. How do I do this? Oh, I've got a red sofa. I don't know what goes with it or I've just decorated my house grey. Now, what colour shall I add to it? And I was just thinking, whoa, 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 people. All these questions that you're asking are just in isolation and there is a whole design process that you can follow which will help you answer your own questions because, quite frankly, I don't have time for, I think at the last look, 138,000 Instagram followers, I can't do one-on-one consultations through my DMs. So I thought that's why I did an online course was just to, to help answer everybody's questions. But I think, yes, increasingly, again, because of recent events and the pandemic and everything, we are spending more time online and more people are launching courses. In fact, Abigail Ahern has a very good online masterclass and Rita Konig's course as well, I've had a look at, is also brilliant. And Lucy Goff, uh, the stylist, interior stylist, has done one which is called Be Your Own Interior Stylist. So it's not, it's a sort of take on it, isn't it? Perhaps when you've done the decoration and putting the room together. Oh, I'd argue actually Lucy's course is if you want to be a professional interior stylist. So quite different. So this is the grey area. So some courses are helping professionals. So Lucy Goff's very brilliant course is helping people who want to train to be an interior stylist like her, someone who does photo shoots for all the big brands and magazines and stuff like that. Emily Henson, who's a fantastic interiors author, we've reviewed her books here on the podcast, one of my favourites, Be Bold, but she's done many others. She's just launched an online course on how to become an interiors author. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) (laughs) But what's what's interesting is I think there's still a lot of people that, you know, they don't want to buy a big piece of furniture online because they want to touch it and they want to feel it. And yet during the pandemic, they've had to get more confident with that. And I think that notion of becoming more confident online is spilling over into classes. And obviously I've had a little look at your course. I'm not going to say I've completed it yet, but, you know, (laughs) the idea is that I think the, the early courses were perhaps restricted to a sort of a sheet you could download and read in your own time but they've become much more sophisticated now and I mean you have bits of film and you have photograph and you can walk around spaces so I think you know perhaps Laura should know that an online course now is a very different beast from what it was perhaps a year ago. Like you say, it's a really rich learning experience. And I think the thing about if you're teaching something like interior design, it has to be hugely visual. So I produce a lot of photography content, a lot of video content to make sure that you, you're you really seeing what it is 
that I'm, you know, the knowledge that I'm trying to impart. Also with my courses, and I know Abigail's and Rita's, we'll put all links of these in the show notes. They're courses that are designed to help the homeowner. So they're not going to help you become a professional. They're going to help you do up your own house. And I think this is really important to know the difference when you're looking for courses, because if you put interior design online course into Google, the, I, I actually oh, you'll get training, all you? the pages yeah. are for being a professional. So from the Interior yeah. Design Institute, from KLC, from Inchbald, all those big interior design schools. Whereas if you're training with an interior designer like myself, it's just me sharing with you my methodology, how I go about things, my take on things, my tried and tested recipe, if you like. So the next course that I'm launching that comes out on the 8th of October, oh, you're going to love this one, Kate. It's called Brave, Bold and Beautiful Interiors. It's going to be no brown in it. (laughs) (laughs) There's no no neutrals here. I'm sorry. It's like, if you love neutrals, you've bought the wrong course. It's all about... I think I might have to do an online course all about how to decorate with neutrals because Abigail's Ahern is all really dark colours. Yours is all really bright colours. I think I've just spotted a gap in the market. Oh, we'd love you to do an online course. It'd be amazing. (laughs) So yeah, so it's all about going to be my particular look. Clashing pattern, how to use contrasting colour, bold focal points, lots of styling tips in there. So that's sort of going along with my uh, the colour psychology course as well that I did and also the, the creative process. So I'm trying to create a little suite, if you like, of courses that will cover off every little thing you might want to know about doing up your home. And I, But I, I think... Yeah. No, you go. When you finish plugging yourself... No, no, I'm done. I'm plugged. Oh, you're done. Um, no, all I was going to say for Laura was that the sort of point is there is a lot more choice of online course around now. So, you know, have a look and try and find the designer or the teacher that you think might most resonate with you because you're not just restricted to one course now. There's there's lots more and they are all getting more sophisticated and more able to teach you things via that remote online process. Actually, Sophie, we do have one comment. You say you didn't check. I'm not sure if I believe you, but Gail Angus said she's done your course and loved it. So there you go. And she said she'd also done one of Abigail Ahern's in-person days and thought both were good. She says, I teach online education, career planning, and it really is a great option for courses like this because it gives you time to digest and reflect and obviously share with an online community. I think that's a really key point. You know, if you're doing evening classes, you've got to go every Monday at seven or you've missed it. Whereas if you're doing it online, you can do it in your own time. You can do it from wherever you are in the world. And that flexibility, I think, is a really key point. And Gail says she did the course as she was planning her open plan living and kitchen room. And it gave her the confidence to pull it all together and taught her to use Pinterest properly. So there we go. Yeah, Worth no. a look at the online course world. <laughs> so I hope that helped, Laura. Do keep sending in your style surgery dilemmas. Just email us on thegreatindoorspod.com at gmail.com. There will be links and pics and all manner of extra goodies on our blogs, sophierobinson.co.uk and madaboutthehouse.com. And do give us a little review on your podcast app if you can. Um, I'd like to say a very special thanks to KTB86, whose review says, I'm in the process of buying a new build and thought I should look for some interiors inspiration. 
enter the Great Indoors podcast. I've gobbled down all episodes in under two weeks. What could have been a grey box will now undoubtedly be far more inspiring. I've got ideas coming out of my ears now. Thank you. Wow, Katie, that is more than 50 shows in under two weeks. We are truly touched and best of luck with the new house. I can't believe we've done 50 shows. Amazing. (laughs) Huge thanks also to our sponsors, Neptune, and to our producer, Kate Taylor of Feast Collective. And next time, after almost two series inside the duvet den, Kate and I are finally getting unleashed. We're allowed out and we're going to be doing a house tour of the fabulously stylish author and food columnist Sky McAlpine. So until then, we'll see you in the great indoors. <laughs> <laughs>